0: Hi, my name is Juliette Selgren, and this is my podcast, The Great Antidote. This podcast has been brought to you by the Center for Growth and Opportunity at Utah State University. To learn more, visit www.thecgo.org. it's my pleasure to have chris edwards on today chris is the director of tax policy studies at cato and the editor of downsizinggovernment.org he's a top expert on federal and state tax and budget issues today i want to talk to him about his work on wealth inequality i have to say that this is our second take of this interview i interviewed him a few weeks ago at the beginning of quarantine and we were losing power a good amount um, we lost power during the interview, and when it came back on, the recording wasn't working well. Big chunks of the interview were lost, so now we're recording it again. Um, it'll be a little bit different. Thank you, Chris, for being so generous with your time and retaping this for me.
1: Absolutely, Juliet. You know the, all the great entrepreneurs in history—they—they they didn't get it right the first time. It was all trial and error. You know, whether it was Bill <laughs> Gates or Jeff Bezos or all the other great entrepreneurs, they try stuff that didn't work, and then they have to try again. But then the second time, uh, things will uh, work uh, great. So you got to keep trying.
0: So I ask all my guests this one question before we jump into what we're talking about today. What is the most important thing that people my age or people in my generation should know that we don't?
1: Well, the first one is that, you know, America is the land of opportunity, despite the fact uh, that we were in a coronavirus, uh, crisis and recession now, uh, which is horrible for many millions of Americans. We will get out of this and things, you know, there are blue skies ahead and le- America is a land of opportunity, meaning young people more than ever can choose what they want to do in life and they can have fulfilling relationships and a fulfilling career. Uh, there's more opportunities than ever. The other thing I would say is that the crisis should remind everyone that you never know what's going to happen in the future, and so you should save. You should when you when you earn money, you should put some of it in the bank, uh, put some of it in the stock market. You should save because you never know when you're going to be unemployed or when your business is going to get into trouble. Uh, Americans should should save more, and this is a reminder of that.
0: I think that's very very good advice. Okay, so now kind of setting the stage for discussion. Um, I want to ask you, what's the difference between income inequality and wealth inequality? We hear a lot about both issues, but my listeners may not know the difference between the two.
1: Right. Income and wealth are very different things. So, you know, I'll give you a real world example. Um, let's say you had a young lawyer and she's just graduated from law school and uh, law school costs a lot. And she's deep into debt. So if you look, looked at her sort of, on the statistics, she would be very poor. She doesn't, not only doesn't she have any money, she's like negative, um, you know, because she owes a lot in student loans. So she would, she would be very poor on the statistics. And yet nobody f- would feel bad for that person because, you know, they just earned a law degree and that, and she will probably earn a lot of income later in her life. Uh, on the other hand, uh, someone who would appear richer than her would be, say, a uh, someone who was, say, a garbage man their whole life. Um, but he was um, prudent and he put money aside and he saved. So by the time he retired, uh, he had quite a lot of assets or savings uh, or wealth. So he would appear quite wealthy. So, uh, you know, that's that's the, the, I guess my point is that behind these statistics about how rich and poor Americans are, You have to really look at people's individual situations. Some people that may appear poor, actually, it's just because they're young. A lot of young people are poor just because simply they haven't had a chance to earn money uh, and save yet. So that's that's one thing to, to think about.
0: I'm surprised by the intense amount of attention that income inequality gets compared to the opportunity that there is for lots of lower income Americans to become wealthier or, as you said, young people to get wealthier over the course of their lifetime which is called income mobility but also for every income class to grow over the course of time what am i missing
1: No i think you're uh, absolutely right Julia you know people um y- you know the the news is always full of stories about uh rich people like bill gates maybe buying big mansions and the like uh but but all these people uh started off with a lot less money some very wealthy people, uh, started off very poor and uh, just through hard work and perseverance and trial and error, as we discussed, uh, they 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 came upon a great idea and they, and they pursued it and they became very rich. I mean, the richest person in America today is Jeff Bezos, who owns about 15% of Amazon. Well, Amazon didn't just happen. Jeff Bezos started Amazon literally in his garage in 1994 no one knew that it would work. Uh, he, had, he tried to get some people to invest in his uh, company early on. They were very skeptical. And you, when you read about the start of a lot of these companies uh, that have become uh, very successful uh, and, and, and the owners wealthy now, when they started out, uh, people were very skeptical. So a lot of people end up becoming rich. Who Originally, they were very gutsy. They took these big risks that other people didn't want to take. So I would come back to this idea that, you know, America is a land of opportunity to get rich, though. You got to take risks. You got to work hard. And if you're lucky, you will be successful.
0: So politicians like AOC often say that we need to fix income inequality. We need to reduce it. And her solution is that we have to use a 70 percent marginal rate on tax rate on income. Can you talk a little about talk a little about what this problem with the solution would be?
1: So here. So there's a couple of problems. I mean, one is, is that so America's greatest concentration of wealth is in Silicon Valley, California, near San Francisco. For decades now, that is where the great majority of all these awesome um, products like smartphones and and all these other things we use today have come from. How that happened was sort of like an avalanche of wealth. People starting in the 50s with companies like Hewlett Packard and others and Intel Corporation, uh, the the people who founded those companies became rich. Then they took their money and they invested in new startup companies. And then the, the new startup companies, some of them were successful. And then the owners got rich and then they reinvested their money. So the money... When, if the money is left in the private sector like that, it sort of compounds and then the rich people invest in new risky startup companies. And, um, and the, in the end, so over time, if the government stays out and the taxes aren't too heavy, then, uh, then, then the, then new, you know, we get many new products and new innovations and new technologies that benefit everybody. So I think the main argument for the government not Taxing people excessively is that wealth, when it's left in the hands of the entrepreneurs who created it, go on to use the money to to invent great new things. So, and those things, those great new inventions benefit everyone. By the way, you know you can see a similar thing. uh, There's a similar thing has gone on with America's pharmaceutical and bio biotechnology companies. If we get a breakthrough product for the coronavirus. It probably will come from one of these many startup biotechnology companies here in America that wealthy people started and founded uh, and have invested in. So you put too much taxes on these companies, we're not going to get all the breakthroughs that benefit everybody.
0: So now let's talk about wealth inequality. It has been a very important topic of conversation during the Democratic nomination race for the presidency. Both Senator Sanders and Elizabeth Warren have talked about wealth tax proposals to address this wealth inequality. Both of them have denounced billionaires as a problem of our system. For instance, yesterday, Bernie Sanders complained that, quote, this system of unfettered greed is morally obscene. It's time to put working families first, not billionaires, end quote listening to them, you would think that everyone who's ultra wealthy is sitting on a pile of gold that they're keeping in a vault at their house or something, and that they didn't have to work for it because it came to them through an inheritance or by luck. What is the biggest misconception about wealth and its creation?
1: Well, the first thing I would say, I think comments like Bernie Sanders' comment there are, are frankly disgusting and disgraceful. The fact that Sanders himself didn't seem to do much with his own life until he was around 40 years old. And then he's uh, then he's basically lived off the taxpayer as a politician his whole life. He has never created any jobs. He's never created any great American companies. Uh, he hasn't really added to the nation's uh, GDP or income really at all. All he does is complain about wealthy people. Uh, those wealthy people have created America's wealth and provide jobs for all of us. So I, I'm really, I, I think the, those sorts of comments by standards are really uh, kind of disgraceful. In America, the, uh, we have some data on how uh, the richest Americans got rich. 70% of them, uh, the richest Americans, uh, it is self-made wealth. As we were talking about, there are entrepreneurs like Jeff Bezos who started uh, often in, uh, in the middle class and they had great ideas and they worked hard and they became rich. And indeed, the, the share of the rich people in America that got rich, not from inherited money, but from self, self-made self uh, wealth, has increased uh, greatly over the decades. Uh, we were talking about Silicon Valley. That is a perfect example uh, of where so many uh, young people have gone out there uh, they've, they've worked hard, they've had good ideas, and they've become wealthy by creating products that we all enjoy. That is how most wealth in America is made. So that said, Sanders and AOC and some other critics on the left make a good point when they complain about uh, wealthy people who have got wealthy by sucking off of government special benefits, by corruption, by cronyism, by cronyism and that sort of stuff. And I, so I agree with, I agree that with them, that we should, we should not hand out special benefits to wealthy people, to Wall Street uh, and insiders like that. You can see those, some of these patterns around the world. Um, some of the, the most corrupt countries in the world, like Egypt, like Russia, like Ukraine, they have very high levels of wealth inequality and, and, and they and they have that high inequality because they are so corrupt. The people who get rich in places like Russia mainly get rich because they suck up to the government. They're friends of Vladimir Putin. Uh, I am against all that kind of stuff. And so, uh, you know, I'm against that corruption and cronyism. And we should try to get we should try to route it out and root it out in this country and get rid of it as well. So I am for wealth when it is made through the market in fair competition, but I would agree with Saunders and AOC that I'm against the the, the wealth created by cronyism.
0: And we'll talk about cronyism a little bit more later, but um, I really think that's, I mean, that does make sense. It's not good to live off of the government to get rich and wealthy off of Stuff you get from the government, because that's not the purpose of the government. Um, So in your paper with Ryan Bourne at Cato, you write that, quote, Forbes has published an annual list of the 400 Americans with the highest net worth since 1982. By our count, just 21 from 1982 were still on the list in 2019. Where have the others gone? Numerous people have died and their wealth divided among heirs. The wealth of many others has stagnated or declined because of income taxes, consumption, charitable giving, or poor investment choices. So is there a lot of wealth? So there is a lot of wealth mobility, but it goes up and down. But has wealth inequality increased?
1: So uh, that's a very complicated question. Here's the thing. We, We don't know exactly... Um, you know how much wealth there is in America and who has it, because the government doesn't really have good data. We have good data on incomes, and the reason is because everyone files a tax return every year to the government that records your income. Wealth, we don't have uh, very good data. We have we there are surveys uh, of of people to find out how much wealth they have, but uh, there's a lot of dispute about whether wealth inequality has actually risen or fallen uh, over the years. We do know uh, about some of the wealth of the richest people. You, you mentioned Forbes magazine. Since around 1980, Forbes magazine has uh, has guessed at or estimated who the richest 400 Americans are and how they got their money. And so what we find out from that list is that uh, the share of people who have uh, on that, the richest Americans who have has self-made wealth, mainly high-tech um, uh, billionaires. The share that has have self-made wealth has increased, while the people who have inherited wealth uh, has declined. So everyone, I think, generally thinks that's a good thing, that wealth is dynamic like that, that, uh, you know, we want new people becoming uh, wealthy through the market and inventing great products. It's, it is a bit of a different thing uh, in Europe. Um, your your mom grew up Juliet in France, and Juliet uh, and in France is traditionally they've had more people who have had inherited wealth, and, and this and it's the same families over many generations that, that hold on to the wealth. America has been different, uh, thankfully, in that we've had more of a free market economy, and there's been more sort of turnover in the number of uh, who the wealthy people are. So every year in america there's there's new people creating new products that benefit everyone uh and uh and then uh and then there's turnover in the in the uh in who the wealthiest people are and Here's something I think that's been very important about America all the way back a century. the richest Americans have been those people who have created these great products that have helped low income and middle class people the most. There are lots of famous examples. Henry Ford, the founder of Ford Motor Company, a century ago, he became one of the richest uh, people in America by pushing down the price of automobiles so that everyone can afford an automobile. Automobiles were originally just things that just thing the rich people had, and more recently, um, Walmart, the the uh, massive big uh, department store that has some of the lowest prices that benefit low income and middle income people the most. Uh, that was founded by this guy Sam Walton who became the richest person in America. So I'm all in this is I think this is a fantastic thing about America that you get some some of the richest people get rich by slashing prices that help uh, low low and middle income people the most.
0: Can you tell us what the main problems are with a wealth tax? For instance, it seems like... Some of it would be hard to value and some of it could be easy to hide. Can you tell us what impact a wealth tax would have on the economy and on workers?
1: So what we have in America now, we, have, we already have a bunch of different taxes. We have an income tax that uh, people, uh, you, the government takes a slice of how much income everyone earns uh, every year. We have sales taxes when you buy products. Uh, people who own homes pay property taxes so the the uh unfortunate- so uh we've already got enough taxes in my point of view, but unfortunately, some people like Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren and some other politicians on the political left, they want to add a whole new tax on an America, which would basically be for wealthy people it would it would tell people like Bill Gates, so add up all your wealth and give us like two percent of it a year or four percent of it. You know every single year. so we've never had a tax like that before. A lot of European countries used to have those taxes, but they've almost all been repealed now because they were so damaging and destructive. So let's go back to 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 the richest man in America is Jeff Bezos uh, he, he has wealth of about a hundred billion dollars, but virtually all that wealth comes from his ownership of Amazon and so he his wealth in Amazon. Uh, keeps hundreds of thousands of America Americans employed uh, doing this great service for all of us delivering all these packages. So if you imposed a wealth tax on him, it would take away it would Amazon would would have to shrink and downsize um, in order for Bezos to pay this tax. So that would hurt all of us. What good would it be if we if the government imposed this tax that that damaged companies and prevented them, from doing the investments that make us all better off, so that's why wealth taxes are damaging. They they would they damage um, you know business and business activities that benefit all of us.
0: But many people worry that wealthy people have too much influence on the political system and that they can have more influence than any common people. It seems kind of like it could be a legitimate worry. After all, I can imagine that Bill Gates or Charles Koch have more access to politicians or the president even than me or any of my friends. Could that undermine democracy? And if it could, would a wealth tax be able to fix that or address that issue?
1: Well, there is a big problem in Washington, as as you know, Juliet. And, and uh, I think anyone who starts to learn about politics starts to understand that some big corporations and rich people and lobby groups have a lot of influence in Washington and, and get special uh, favors. Um, I, you know, the main way to solve that problem is to shrink uh, Washington and not have it hand out so many favors uh, to begin with. So that's sort of the first solution. Uh, but it is also true that actually rich people often don't have as much influence as, as you think. So, for example. During the Democratic uh, uh, nomination uh, for the, uh, the White House this year, where it looks like Joe Biden is will probably be the nominee for the Democratic Party, by far the biggest spender was the former mayor of New York, Michael Bloomberg, who spent hundreds of millions of dollars, literally, in buying TV advertising, trying to s- get himself nominated uh, uh, for the Democratic Party. And he completely failed. <laughs> I think a lot of times what happens is that wealth backfires. Uh, People are suspicious of wealthy people uh, when they try to buy their their way into getting nominated uh, in in, in political campaigns, and they reject it. And we've seen this many times in the past where the people who have the most money um, aren't the ones that get nominated. So, um, you know, the last presidential election Um, Hillary Clinton spent far more than Donald Trump in the campaign, but Trump got elected. Uh, And like I said, Michael Bloomberg spent by far more than any other Democratic uh, candidate, but his his uh, candidacy went nowhere. So uh, Bernie Sanders didn't have much wealth, and he became uh, one of the most popular uh, uh, folks on the on the Democratic side. So I don't, you know, I think that the influence of wealth can be uh, over uh, can be exaggerated.
0: So, let's go back to the issue of cronyism. You've identified it as an issue related to wealth inequality, where there's this unhealthy marriage between corporations and the government, and it, in, in some ways, companies can obtain special treatment subsidies, other favors that they don't usually get because they're politically connected, or they, they can lobby politicians. It kind of seems like corruption. Am I missing something? And how do we fix that?
1: No, I think you're. I think you're absolutely right, Juliet. I mean, your 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 mom, uh, Veronique, has written a lot at the Mercatus Center about uh, companies that take uh, subsidies. So she's written a lot about, for example, how Boeing Corporation, the big uh, uh, jetliner manufacturer based in uh, Washington State, uh, for years they've got special handouts from the federal government. Uh, I think that's wrong and it's unfair because it it creates an uneven competition between companies. If you have, uh, you know, companies should compete on a a level sort of playing field, uh, to be fair, just like sort of a soccer match, where uh, if the government, if if you have the referee sort of like the government um, favoring one side over another, uh, it, it creates, uh, an, an unfair competition. And I think it's the same, you know, it's the same with business subsidies that, uh, we don't, so we don't, it's unfair to taxpayers to take their money and give it to businesses, but it's also unfair to businesses who don't get the subsidies to have to compete against the businesses that get the subsidies. So the answer here is to eliminate these business subsidy programs, uh, altogether. And, uh, you know, that is very hard to do. And, um, uh, the Cato Institute and the Mercatus Center, uh, where your mom works, they've, they've spent years arguing for eliminating subsidies. We've had some success, but man, it's these these lobby groups, uh, you know, really get their their grips on the politicians in Washington and hold on tightly. And they're really hard to dislodge.
0: So. Um, let's end on a more positive note. In your study, you cited a Cato poll. I read from your paper now, quote, a 2019 Cato UGov poll found that 62% of Americans surveyed do not believe that, unquote, billionaires are a threat to democracy, end quote, and 69% agree that billionaires, quote, earn their wealth by creating value for others, end quote end quote. Um, that's good news. Are you optimistic or pessimistic on this issue?
1: Yeah, I, I'm optimistic. So, so at the Cato Institute, we have a uh, we have a, a scholar, Emily Eakins, who uh, uh, does her own polls. And uh, she, she hires an expert polling company, and she designs the polls. And we get some really uh, interesting results, because sometimes the polls you see in newspapers are sort of slanted in certain ways, and they often don't ask the questions that we want to get to. So what she found out is that you know, Americans don't, and this has historically been true too, Americans do not resent wealthy people who they perceive got wealthy uh, in a fair and equitable manner, where they worked hard and they and they had uh, breakthrough inventions, or their sports superstars where they competed fairly, uh, or they you know made their success in music or, or some other artistic uh, activity. Americans don't resent uh, people who got wealthy. Uh, on you know it, when the playing rules were fair, what they resent is corruption and cronyism. people who uh, broke the rules who got special favors uh, and the problem with some of the politicians like Bernie Sanders is they sort of conflate that and they try to uh, uh, get Americans inflamed about all wealth well that's that's a really I think is a disreputable thing he's doing. you know wealth I think can be is generally created in America in markets by entrepreneurs doing great things that benefit all of us. It's really just the the small share uh, of wealth that's created by cronyism in America. That's what we all all ought to unite against and uh, try to eliminate.
0: Has the pandemic or in the middle of affected your view on this at all?
1: No, the pandemic's really, it's, you know, enormously a sad thing for an America. The the, uh, economy had been doing great and uh before the the pandemic hit uh the the statistics on income uh were looking fantastic that especially people at the bottom uh in the strong economy were doing very well we had the lowest unemployment rate uh in many decades you know people you can dispute whether or not donald trump had anything to do with that the point it was mainly markets uh were benefiting americans and lifting all americans up which was fantastic Unfortunately, the, uh, the, the pandemic and the crisis now has pushed us, uh, has uh, pushed uh, 20 million people into unemployment. Uh, poverty will probably be rising. Uh, this is uh, very sad and un- unfortunate. And I hope that, you know, governments uh, can put some, some good policies in place to help the economy uh, grow out of this uh, mess uh, over the next year or two.
0: Thank you so much, Chris. To my listeners, I really recommend Chris's paper published at Cato with Ryan Bourne. It is packed full of information on wealth inequality, and it asked the hard questions on the issue. Really got me thinking. Thank,
1: thank you, you so very... much, Chris. Th- thank you, Juliet. You're doing a great job with your podcast there. You've had some excellent guests. So I hope that your, your podcast becomes one of the most successful in America. Good luck.
0: <laughs> thank you.